Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 16, John Ray's Fiddle. My name is Siobhan Cook-Miller and I'm Collections Manager at Stromish Museum and I'm here today with our curator Jeanette Park. We are stood in the Hudson Bay Gallery which tells the story of the Hudson Bay Company and of Arctic exploration. We are beside the case which tells the story of Dr John Ray and in this case is his fiddle. Jeanette, can you describe the fiddle for us? Well, the the fiddle looks like quite an everyday fiddle. It's not overly fancy underneath, and it looks quite worn. It's had an interesting life as an object. If you look very closely at the fiddle, you will see that the pegs have been hand-whittled, and if you look even closer, you will see that at some point in the fiddle's life, part of the front board has been broken and replaced. And you will notice that the ebony line is actually hand-painted on the one side. So next time you're in the museum, you can see if you can tell which side is the original ebony inlay and which side is hand-painted. So John Ray was born at the Hall of Clastron in Ofer on the 30th of September 1813. Can you tell us about his early life in Orkney? John Ray was one of nine children. They enjoyed a comfortable upbringing their father being an estate factor and also the agent for the Hudson's Bay Company. Him and his siblings would have been home tutored and in their free time they enjoyed sailing, fishing, shooting and roaming round the hills in Orfer. John Ray graduated from Edinburgh University as a surgeon aged just 19 years old. What did he do after that? Well that summer He took a post as a ship surgeon on the Hudson's Bay Company ship Prince of Wales, but the early onset of sea ice prevented him from turning to Stromness that year. So instead, as he had enjoyed the experience of being out in Canada, he joined on for a five-year term as a surgeon and clerk at the trading post of Moose Factory. He learned the techniques of hunting and walking in snowshoes from the Canadian First Nations people, and he soon caught the attention of Sir George Simpson, the Governor-in-Chief of the Hudson's Bay Company. Simpson wanted the company to complete the mapping of Arctic Canada and had Ray trained as a surveyor. Ray's first expedition, 1846-47, was highly successful as he learned how to build snow houses from the Inuit and saw the advantage of travelling in small groups and living off the land. His childhood in Orkney had prepared him for such a life of adventure. Also on display next to the fiddle are other objects associated with John Ray, such as his octant and his snowshoes. But this case also tells the story of Sir John Franklin. Franklin was a veteran Arctic explorer who led an expedition aiming to find a navigable route through the Northwest Passage that would link the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. The ships HMS Erebus and Terror set sail from the Thames Estuary on the 19th of May 1845 and on their journey they called in at Stromness where they took on water at Logan's Well which is very close to Stromness Museum. The ships sailed to Arctic Canada but became trapped in sea ice. 
Sir John Franklin died on the 11th of June, 1847, and all 128 crewmen perished from disease, cold and starvation. Jeanette, can you tell us how the, the stories of John Ray and John Franklin are linked? When John Ray went back to London after his first very successful expedition, he found that the Franklin expedition had been missing and the Navy were organising various different searches to try and locate the men. Because we have to remember at that point, the expectation was that Franklin and the Erebus and Terror could survive for up to five to ten years with the supplies that they had and the fact that the ships were cutting edge. This was the highest technologically advanced and equipped expedition that had ever set sail for the Arctic. So at that point, nobody was really worried that they may have perished. So John Ray was involved in a further three expeditions to look for Franklin and his men, and it was on the last expedition in 1854 that Ray heard through the Inuit that there was a group of white men that had been in a poor state of health and had been seen walking across Arctic ice at a certain location. Ray followed up further investigation with the Inuit and invited them to bring any artefacts or objects from these ships to determine that they were indeed speaking about the Franklin expedition and the Erebus and Terror. When Ray was convinced that the Franklin ships had been lost to the ice and that the crew had all perished, he reported this news back to London. And we have some of the artefacts that he collected on display as well. So returning to the fiddle of Engineet, can you tell us a little bit about how the fiddle was found and how it came to be in the collection here at Stromness Museum? Well, we know that John Ray owned the fiddle and when he returned from the Arctic, he gave it to his friend Willie Robertson of Orther, who was a well-known local fiddle player. The fiddle went down through the Robertson family until it ended up many years later in a second-hand shop in Kirkwall and then it was bought for the museum with a government grant through the National Fund for Acquisitions in 1996. So you've told us about John Ray's youth and growing up in Orkney and traditional music plays a really important role in Orcadian culture today but what role do you think music would have played during his life and during his expeditions to the Arctic? Although John Ray isn't known as a fiddle player, he probably did play as it would have been part of his Arcadian upbringing. He took fiddlers with him on his expeditions. This was the entertainment during the long, dark Arctic nights and is mentioned in his diary. Fiddlers are documented playing Scottish reels at dances in the fur trade outposts in Hudson's Bay Company, and the majority of employees were Arcadian. Ray's diary of the winter 1848-49 reads... The meal was followed by dancing, which continued to an early hour, to the music by the fiddlers John Bell and Baptiste Bruce. If we look carefully at John Ray's fiddle in the museum, you will notice that the fingerboard is painted maple rather than ebony, and where the fingers have been placed on the strings, there is the, the paint is actually worn off, and that shows that that fiddle was used for playing traditional Arcadian music. John Ray's fiddle was restored in 2010. That sounds like a really interesting project. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, the fiddle was restored and it has 
since been played on a few special occasions and hearing the the music of the time being played on the original instrument brings the object alive and lets people experience a very special object in our collection in a completely different way from what you would experience if you're just looking at the object in a case. And musical instruments are objects that we can do this with. So John Ray's fiddle was uh, first played at a recital in Stromness Museum in 2011 where Jennifer Wrigley played a few different tunes that John Ray would have been familiar with and would have been played out in Canada. And they were a mixture of the Scottish real Arcadian traditional music and with some French influence. And there was a CD recorded at the time. The fiddle was played then in 2013 for the 200th anniversary of John Ray's birth. And most recently at the Greenwich Maritime Museum for the opening of the Arctic Polar Galleries at Greenwich. So we really hope you've enjoyed hearing all about Dr John Ray and his fiddle. You can hear about some of the other objects we've mentioned in our Top 10 Object Series on our YouTube channel. We'll end on a high note with Jennifer Wrigley playing some traditional Orkney tunes on John Ray's fiddle. Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland.